This episode is a transmission of energy and medicine straight from Kremena Yordanova and her ancestors. Here she talks about doing things like you chose it, letting your life unfold and taking your sweet time, and how she chose her own path in both corporate and yoga despite the pressures to be a full-time yoga teacher. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candace Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. Before we jump into the episode today, I'd like to invite you to a very special workshop that's happening on June 15th, 2019 in Rochester Hills, Michigan. And the workshop is called Being in Beauty. And it's a systemic and family constellation workshop along with somatic experiencing and self-forgiveness. And in this workshop, we'll connect with what is beauty to you? Is it a deep sense of freedom and peace? Is it loving yourself and feeling like you are exactly who you are? Is it feeling intimacy and openness with loved ones or abundance and money in your life, in your career? Is it a sense of belonging or living the life you love, grace, flow, and harmony? Or feeling healthy and good in your own skin? Whatever your sense of beauty is, in this workshop will illuminate any hidden unconscious dynamics that can be a challenge on your journey. What I have found is that when we're tangled up with previous soul or ancestral dynamics or our personal historical traumas or overwhelming experiences, part of ourselves is still working that out and our bodies take on this form and become the language of what's happening at a deeper level. We end up with disease, with emotional imbalances, with pain or tension, and those are not the obstacle to ourselves, but the way. The obstacle is the way towards who we are and what our soul wants us to know and learn so that we can give deep honoring and recognition to who we are. And so the process of family or systemic constellations And tuning into what the body's showing us allows us to acknowledge what is and what is underneath all of those physical pains, those challenges with our bosses or the fighting that we might experience within us or in other relationships. And what unfolds is an organic healing and resolution of what was living itself through you and in your life and frees you from that so you can be yourself in the ease that you are in the loving that you are and the beauty that you desire in your life. So if you want more information about this, you can find it at CandiceWu.com slash beauty. And again, that's on Saturday, June 15th in Rochester Hills, Michigan. And I would love for you to join, even if you're from out of town or if you're local, feel free to connect with me if you'd like to know more or have any questions. 
really grateful to bring this lovely conversation with Kermina Yordanova here. She lives her passions in many worlds, including yoga, entrepreneurship, and in the corporate world. And I'm inspired by how she looks at the subtleties of patterns in everyday life as ways to know herself and to support her yoga students. I loved in this episode where she talks about her ancestry and how she circled back to her her Bulgarian roots and brings her retreats to Bulgaria, bringing the herbs and medicine of Bulgaria to people who are interested in learning about the country and the culture. Kermena fuses the philosophy of yoga with modern day life as the basis of her teachings and Her realistic, grounded, and contemporary approach has made her a sought-after teacher in Amsterdam with weekly practices in several studios and at the W Hotel Amsterdam. So without further ado, here is Kermena. So it's really a delight to have you here, Kermena. I uh, really don't know all that much about you, and I want to share your lovely work from what I've seen and heard from you. So would you just begin by sharing with everyone here who you are and what you're doing in the world now? Um, first of all, thank you so much, Candice, for inviting me to really have a conversation around what is my passion and where I'm currently at. So my name is Kremena and I teach yoga classes, workshops, retreats, anything to do with yoga, really. And next to that, I choose to maintain my full-time demanding job. What keeps me motivated and alive to be doing this work that I'm doing is the fact that you can do both without feeling guilty that only one passion in life should be the guiding force behind everything you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What What is your full-time work? I currently we hold a um, marketing activation senior manager role within um, Reebok and uh, Mm -hmm. I have a team that I'm leading and I find that the passion for yoga gives me more opportunities to be connected with them in more authentic way. I don't see my team as people that work for me. We are co-creating things together. We just happen to be working together Mm -hmm. and putting good work out there and I often hear them say, you do realize we're the most spiritual team or they're making (laughs) jokes like this just because sometimes I will align calendars with the moon and stuff like that, that they find amusing, but they deeply understand that yoga is a big part of who I am. And Mm. they never feel like it should be one or the other. We make space for both. But it's a fun and challenging and interesting job to to do. That sounds fascinating. I love how you've brought your yogic self to to the world of the corporate. And I've heard you speak a little bit about that both and totally concept instead of one or the other, um, and how you're bringing in your passions, making space for both. That's something that I've had to really learn in my life as well. So how did this come about for you with yoga and your passion for it and combining these worlds? So I found yoga quite late in my life in a sense that I've never been one of those people that will be um, 
super into spirituality or even um, any type of sports in any depth. Um, but when I moved to the Netherlands, I fell in love with in the first yoga class in a sense that I knew that this is my tribe. This is something that I kind of felt like I haven't finished business with something I didn't even know it's within me. Mm, I yeah. come alive when I teach and it's kind of difficult to explain. You feel like you're belonging. You feel like this is your purpose in life. And in the same time, it didn't feel like it's forceful, although it came quite late. So mm. I moved to the Netherlands more than a decade ago. And um, I was very detached from... From Bulgaria. From Bulgaria, indeed. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm originally yes. from Bulgaria and I love coming back home. But recently I can now proudly say that I find Amsterdam being my home, which has been a long, long journey. When I moved here back in the days, I really didn't feel like I belong. And yoga was the only thing that kept me grounded and kept me really being myself. While now I figure that I can be myself anywhere I go. And um, transitioning from what I've learned on the mat into the job I'm right now doing and any mm -hmm. other thing I'll be hopefully doing going forward is something that um, excites me. You have to be yourself. There is no one else. And finding yoga in the path was inevitable for me. So it seems now. Um, mm. But in the beginning was, I would be just doing classes and start teaching. And people will put this pressure on when you're going to be full-time yoga teacher. Mm, yeah. And they by default, I don't... I don't understand. Have you experienced anything like that? Questions that puzzle you more than Because <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, it never occurs <laughs> that it's a thing and right. it has to happen. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? It's a thing that has to happen? So, well, people just assume that yes. you would be liking to be doing just one of the things. Like, so when are you branching out? When are you doing? And yeah. I feel the pressure of explaining that it's constant choice that you can take every day <laughs> that you're doing yeah. both and you're capable of doing both. I do. I do experience that. I think it's, uh, and, and not specifically in that way, but I do experience this sort of a, uh, questions from the outer world about my life where the, it doesn't even apply. It's like, it's not a question for me. <laughs> um, like for a time I was feeling like I was just not wanting to make any plans in my life. And I was already traveling about a year and a half and people were saying, what's next? Where's the next place? What is your plan for the next year? And I'm like, geez, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> except for I know I have my clients or something. And um, it was like, I don't want to make a plan. And But yeah, I'm sure I assume things too when I ask questions. But sometimes that sort of like dumbfounded feeling of like, wait, <laughs> what? that's not what I think about for myself. I can relate to that. But it's funny how we all project our own realities, which is 
amazing. But yeah. what you do with that information is totally up to you. And um, there is always a saying when you go and you ask for guidance, you already know the answer by seeking the person's opinion. Mm. Often when students come to me and they ask me um, questions that they already know what I would tell them. I'm like, <laughs> just ask the next person because you know my answer and it's too easy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's fascinating. This is something that lately has been on my mind. Um, when students approach me after class and um, they think we all have all the answers and the only answer I can give is that they already know um, mm. their deeper healing happens within them and their answers are within them and uh, this constant um, seeking of external validation it's um, it's part of avoiding sometimes the answers that we already know so it's fascinating how it happens yeah I have found myself doing that before and at times and um, maybe this is similar but kind of a twist to that. It's like, I, I seek the person that I want that specific answer to reflect what's in me already. <laughs> and I won't go to this other person that will reflect a totally. different place. <laughs> <laughs> and every now and then someone will surprise you with an answer that you were like, oh, I really did oh. not see this coming. <laughs> right. And then those are the people you need to cherish the most around you because you're like, oh, you surprised me with this. Um, answer of yours yeah. but it's fascinating how small ideas and even little conversations can make you change your mind or reconfirm an old belief mm -hmm. and then it's again up to you which path you want to follow um, in my current situation the question has always been um, why would you continue doing both do you mm not see that you can maybe do 100% in one and 100% in another, but it happens for me that it balances me out so much better when I have a demanding job. But then again, I have my deeper work that is my passion and that is something that moves me deeply and I get to share it with more people. So I really lately... Everyone, when they ask me, how are you doing? My only answer is too good. And mm. their reaction on my answer is what is fascinating. Some people don't believe me. And I feel mm -hmm. like I have to explain myself more. And some people are just like taking it as it is and use it in their answers. And they say it. Mm. I have to say it with your accent, too good. <laughs> and too good. <laughs> it has a thing going on now. Everyone answers that. And um, people will say, you're hanging out with Cremena too long now if you're answering that way. So it's a good oh, feeling too. Yeah. Sweet. How sweet. It's a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. So when you say that um, your deeper work is your passion and it moves you deeply. What what about your deeper work or your inner work or yoga moves you right now? So recently we are exploring um, the options 
of allowing people space and time to do the deeper work. Um, in classes, normally we don't have enough time to equip them or just give them ideas around how self-healing and finding what the patterns are that they're working with. Often we always say the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And in a limited one-hour class, you might see only a glimpse of what's going on in your life and in your mat. Mm -hmm. But um, what excites me most is when we provide a week-long retreats where you're detached from your daily routines and you're invited to explore what is really going on within you. What is mm -hmm. it that desires some attention or you haven't paid much attention just because you choose to distract yourself? And um, the retreats are a big bulk of the work I'm doing right now that I learn a lot about myself and it's something that we do together with a group or just a few of my closest friends. But it's something that allows me to find out more and regain that confidence that this really is what I'm meant to be doing. And the small aha moments when we get together and share it, it's something that I cannot even put into words. You have to be there to know that that oneness exists with a simple chanting of home or anything that we really do uh, with this feeling of togetherness is very powerful to me at least. Absolutely. I find I find the same thing when I'm doing retreats. There's that shared connection and going inward together. Totally. That you're speaking of. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that detachment from your daily life to give enough space. That sounds really lovely. Oh, it's so important. When people lack the connection with nature, with themselves, it's very easy to only live in your head. And we all are capable of doing that. And it's okay for a certain period of time. But if you don't rest and if you don't replenish your soul, we, we really speak of those um, retreats as um, sweet escape and then replenishing our souls and getting some habits that allow us to stop, to pose, to feel instead of only think. And mm -hmm. um, often we have these jobs that we love and we attach ourselves, but they are demanding and they're demanding a lot of space in our heads and not so much in our bodies and um, a small movements and taking rest is really crucial, I find, in my, in my own life. Mm -hmm. Same with me, yeah. And my thought about all of this is that's part of how you support people or encourage people to find the answers within themselves you know when you tell your students like the answers within how else do you guide people to find the answers within we use sometimes just breath work 
often we underestimate the power of just knowing that you can observe your own breath and patterns by simply hearing your own breathing. Mm-hmm. Often when students come to my class, the first five minutes are everything in a sense of maybe it's the first time in the day that you can truly feel your own inhales and exhales. And there is this moment where we always find what is it that really is the intention of the practice. I know many studios and teachers say it, but you need to also allow space for people to find it in in their own words. We often will find uh, tools like journaling after class where things come really out. And those are only tools that we can ask students to use if they want to. But sometimes it's just a sentence within a class that will resonate with someone. And I'm very appreciative when a student will come and say, this class really clicked with me. Mm-hmm. And even if it's one person within the 30 that attended, I feel like my job is done in a sense that I've channeled something that someone wanted to hear or was ready to hear because often yoga teachers, we say the same things, but then when the student is ready to hear it, for them is the aha moment. Mm-hmm. And um, it's beautiful when you can see that it's been something you were a little part to facilitate. And I like how my students often become good friends of mine because best conversations and anything else happens after yoga. We often say the coffee after yoga is the best part of it because we get the chance to discuss things deeper. We get the chance to just really bounce ideas and stay in this community vibe that allows us to see what is really going on. Mm. Yeah. And everything's open in your body and flowing. Sounds lovely. It's a beautiful practice when when you're not forcing it on yourself, when you are truly there. I often find myself saying the same things in class, like do it like you mean it, like be there. Even if it's the most uncomfortable posture without hurting yourself, but feel the unpleasant sensations and even in those act like you chose the posture because it's always a choice to even not do the posture or avoid it or see how it resonates with you within all the unpleasantness and then there is always an openness after. Yeah, it's such a powerful shift and it's subtle Because I can think back to times and sometimes even now where I'm doing something, if whether it's a pose or something else in my life, and I can feel like a victim to it, Mm. (laughs) like like I have to do this. (laughs) But just to think or just to shift into the reality of this is my choice and feeling into that. And then also feeling the moment where I felt like a victim of it and acknowledging it. 
like where I didn't yeah. feel the empowerment is really interesting moment too. So that's a lovely um, reminder. And it, it's very funny how if you haven't learned the lesson, we always speak about those lessons, but it happens again and again and again till you kind of get the lesson. But sometimes it really feels like one universe I've dealt with this or at least I thought I was and yeah here we come again not even seven months in the row and again the same pattern and you're like oh I'm appreciative of this but then again I thought I've learned <laughs> I know we haven't <laughs> we just haven't I do know that <laughs> yeah what can you give us an example of at least maybe a recent experience you had of this where you felt like, oh, I thought I learned this lesson. Like what's something you've been receiving again? For me, it's always been something that um, undermining the value of what I'm putting out there. It's been a reoccurring team of mine for the past few years. And um, with different sorts of situations or expectations from others, um, I'll find myself that I play small for no reason really than just being in my comfort zone mm -hmm. while I constantly do things that seemingly stretch my limits and all those things. But deep down, when you ask yourself, do you really get out of your comfort zone? Is um, the question really hits you. I've been wanting, for instance, to write this book, and it's been there with only five chapters for the past five years, really. Mm -hmm. And every time I start speaking about it, there is always something that is like, Ooh, should I really write it? Should I really post it out there? And it's this playing small. It's this fear of, is it good enough? Is it not? Um, it's always like holding you back. And that's one example. But as mentioned before, it's you notice the pattern in other aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. um, undervaluing either the value you have or what you have to say or either being in meeting or in a private conversation with friends because often we surround ourselves with the people that will allow us to grow but we also choose that wisely when we are afraid to do the next step that we surround ourselves with the people that will keep it keep us in the comfort zone so this is something i'm dealing with now that i'm painfully aware of what are the next steps for some of the topics that bother me. And then again, there is this resistance or isn't it nicer to play small because mm -hmm. it's comfort. Yeah. But um, yeah, lately this has been on my mind a lot. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot in, in many ways. I think, though, sometimes for me, it's important to let myself kind of retract and come to that comfort. And it's funny because it almost comes from the same place of that fear 
that I need to come back to comfort, one way it shows up for me is to, when I undervalue what I have to say in the simplest way, I can try to make it sound so much bigger. Like I can try to overachieve even in what I'm saying simply. So like the the feeling that it has to be, I don't know, bigger or more important, more interesting than just simply saying what I wanted to say or what is actually there. And so I this like extra efforting causes me to feel a little bit strange sometimes and to also be gentle when that contraction happens of, okay, just rest a bit here in the comfort. Absolutely. <laughs> but, Absolutely. But, yeah, but writing a book as well. Um, it's interesting to hear that from you too. Um, I've been also feeling the same way about a couple of books that I've had ideas for and also written some pieces for. They've just been sitting there for a long time. <laughs> and I, I'm aware of them. I'm very aware of them. And they're coming more alive now. And people are sending me their books. <laughs> they're personally written books. And it's like, okay, I get the message. <laughs> but isn't it also, for me, the concept around committing to something, but giving it also space to come whenever you're ready with it? It's a big deal. I tend to not operate under the pressure of trying to prove something to other people, mm -hmm. which is sometimes what I feel like. I've committed to write a book. Five years ago, I was very determined. Have the pre like I have the structure, I have all the things, but then again... I convinced myself during the whole process that I have nothing of importance to say. And it happened gradually that you start believing that, oh, actually this idea is not that great and the other idea neither. But you surround yourself with the people that will be either super pushy to mm -hmm. see you grow and to see you please make the book, please make the book. I would really enjoy reading it, for instance. Or you're doing the absolutely opposite, that you'll be only surrounded with people that will be who you, an author, really. Um, and then back to the choice of who do you listen to. And mm -hmm. right now I'm battling, my gut feeling tells me this book is more than ready, just go ahead and finish it off <laughs> and um, yeah that feeling of it's almost there it's half-baked come on it's like you just yeah. need to press <laughs> publish <laughs> but then again <laughs> the little voice that tells you oh no one will read it it's not that important it's not even written that good or yeah the self-sabotaging thoughts that we yeah. all have well, the book... For me, are winning for now. <laughs> right. Well, the process of this book, the process of publishing mm -hmm. is the the lesson of self-love to value yourself and val um, find importance in your own story and words. It's beautifully said. Same. I mean, only because I know it myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we. this is yet a good thing about it. Um, when people are going through similar emotions or 
actions, really. It does take courage and vulnerability to be, this is what I'm thinking. This is how I became who I am right now with all the bad, the good, the ugly stuff that are happening. There is the fear of when people read what I have to say, they might not like my classes or they might not fully comprehend what is it that I'm going through. But those stories, my gut feeling is that even if you write them just for your own healing process and you put it out there, will Mm -hmm. be very, very revealing. And yet that's the scary part where you're, do I still feel this way about this situation? Because with each and every six months, my concept around it, or the stories I'm telling about it is totally changed. Mm, so right. it's never ending. And um, yeah, it's yeah. fascinating to see. It just dawned on me that that could be a way to stop oneself from writing something. It's like the mm-hmm. continual editing and the feeling oh, yes. of like, <laughs> this isn't what I think now or feel now, yes. but it was then and it was truthful to then. It has something to offer <laughs> and now it's going to change. It's the same with podcasting, right? Uh, it's like, yes. sometimes you'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe I was thinking that or oh, absolutely. how amazing that those feelings were what was really bothering me. <laughs> yeah. And and my views on it, you know, just how I processed it or what I thought about it or what I shared about it. And then six months later, I'm like, wow, I'm a different person already. So it's like a disclaimer for all the podcasts I've ever made on this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really curious, Carmena, um, about your ancestry and is it right you grew up in Bulgaria and then you moved to the Netherlands or how was your story? Yeah, so there was a little period of time where from 5 to 10, we lived in Siberia, in Russia. Oh, yeah. yeah. From all places. <laughs> wow. So sometimes um, I like to consider myself as a sunny girl and really positive vibe and um, growing up for five years in Siberia did put a mark on me in a sense of I was bullied when I was in school there, not in a very bad, bad way, nothing super dramatic, but you kind of notice some patterns in you when you go through uh, adulthood that um, once being bullied, you have again the choice of do you bully other people or do you help them heal? And um, I spent a lot of time in the beginning to be the bully in some occasions, not also extreme, but noticing that growing up, it does shape you and it does make mm-hmm. you who you are with all the positives and the negative lessons that you need to learn. We moved back to Bulgaria when I was 10. and. Um, Again, I had this feeling of not belonging and trying to reintegrate, um, not properly even speaking the language at the time, and um, stayed in Bulgaria till I was 22. And um, 
Then before I moved to the Netherlands, there were few jobs abroad. And um, then I moved to the Netherlands. And I'm here now for more than a decade. And only now I can say openly that it does feel like home. First five years in the Netherlands was hard for me. And mm-hmm. um, it came from a place that I felt like I wasn't welcome with every encounter I had here. Uh, the mm-hmm. weather was not something that makes me thrive. And um, it did affect me deeply when I didn't know what's wrong with me, that I'm feeling so depressed, really, that the lack of sun can do that to you. So mm, Absolutely. But it's weird because I... Right now I know what to do, but the, the first few years here, I was going to every doctor you can think of asking for, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, because you would just not feel right. And um, that's when I found yoga, really, that um, oh, wow. brought me back to the sense of you're okay in your body, there is nothing wrong with you. And um, I would even joke about nothing better than an early winter depression in August here because there is never sun, or at least to be the case, or I've seen it like that. And um, yeah, but now I really feel grounded and it took only a decade if you think about it. <laughs> I love that you said it It took only a decade. <laughs> but time is also a very re- relative thing. It's yeah. also the space. And I, I, I took my sweet time. I really did. And maybe now that I'm saying home is Amsterdam and I love it, and most of my friends that know me, they'll be like, but you've always wanted to live away. Like what's going on but yeah opinions and perceptions change when you choose how to see the situation and Mm. now I happen to love Amsterdam and I happen to find my tribe and really be at ease without seeking um, escape and always moving and looking for like the place you live determines you. You choose how you want to see it. But it took mm, a long, right. long time to recognize that. Yeah, that's that's really lovely. And I'm I'm hooking into the words you said. I took my sweet time. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a long process. I mean, from not having any friends or... Because it's hard as a adult to make friends, or at least it's not as easy. And um, when you come and you're not with your peers or with your family here, it can feel yeah. a little bit tougher. Absolutely. And you develop different skills. And only now I can say that uh, I do have friends and most of the good people I meet, yes, they're around the yoga and the field of self-care and the field of really development. Mm-hmm. But I also have friends that come to my life from different areas, either business or my sister moved in um, with me five years ago 
and um, I got the chance to hang out with youngsters and um, half of my friends here now are a decade younger than me and the stories they talk about and the um, things that interest them uh, are very different from what I would consider interests me, but it's fascinating to have people that you can call and um, you could call them your crew and you get to hang out for Easter. It's an Easter weekend and it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Mm. That's beautiful. I'm so glad you found that and created that within you and found yoga to to create that home inside. And that sweet time yeah. was worth the wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you said I took my sweet time, it's <laughs> such a sweet way to describe how you experienced the length of time. And I hear sometimes in myself and in other people, like it's taking too long. It's taking too long. Oh, yeah. But you, is that how you reframed it or is that how you feel about it I, through it? I used to be very much into the now, 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 and everything needs to happen fast. But I really learned that if you would like to have something that is worth staying or it good things happen slowly, mm. um, at least in my case, even with the yoga practice, you would know the 15 time you're doing a Chaturanga is not the same as the 1500 time. Mm -hmm. And um, that patience that we cultivate on the mat, if translates outside, it's so rewarding because some people might think within two years I need to achieve this, that. And I actually know it will come when it comes, when I'm ready. And uh, the only way you know you're ready is when things come. And there is not the pressure of achieve, achieve, achieve. And I think this happens a lot within the Western society. I notice a lot of my friends from even the United States or just here in Europe, there is this mentality of there is always a competition for something. And back home in Bulgaria really is not the case, or at least I haven't noticed that life is not really a competition mm -hmm. and uh, we all have different paths. And uh, we always say it like, if it takes me five years, it's just... That's what it takes. Mm -hmm. If it takes me 10 years, it's also, that's what it takes. And you only blossom or thrive when you're ready. And yeah, I, I've never been a big fan of um, forcing things to become faster, mm -hmm. mainly because there is this knowledge of it will come when it has to come. It was the same reference with the book. If you know that you're not sabotaging it or stopping it for any other reason it will be there eventually mm -hmm. so i on the path of competition or trying harder or i even call myself a more on the easygoing more lazy style of even practicing i don't believe in 
hurting your body for proving yourself. You can do a headstand, for instance. Mm -hmm. Eventually it will happen or not. But what is it that you learn throughout the process of going upside down? But yeah, it's fascinating how time is just so, yeah. Beautiful. It's a weird concept that we only get the chance to attach what it means. It's like now that everyone wants everything to be immediately done or mm -hmm. um, fast, fast, fast. I like taking time to for certain things, to do them real slow so that you really enjoy the process instead of going fast and uh, what's the next big deal, what's the next big project. Yeah, I'm really, really feeling that energy from you and it's really lovely. Thank you. In the past, it might have been that it wasn't coming across, but I believe from, really, this is only from the yoga practice. I don't see any other coalition because you know you need to be practicing for quite some time till a posture comes together, why it will be different in anything else you do. So it's so obvious sometimes that we forget, mm -hmm. but Practice makes perfect in a sense of you've been there, you've done it, you mm -hmm. can build on top of it, and then it's the next one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I liked how you shared about that. It sounds like that some of this um, feeling into life this way is the way of Bulgarians or something you learned growing up. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I want, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what, uh, what you feel growing up as Bulgarian and living in these different places too brings into your life. And what I find about myself is that when I'm traveling, I see myself more clearly in terms of my ancestry when I'm in a different location I can see my Chinese sides of me, or at least what I attach to being Chinese in some ways, and then the American side of me. Um, so I just wondered how your experience was with that. Yeah. Most of the times when people just see me, they can't really place me. They would always play this game of, where are you from? They will ask, and I'll be like, guess, and it's 30 minutes conversation going nowhere because um, <laughs> when they see me, they can't attach. Yeah, it's. I love playing this game with Uber drivers, for instance, because <laughs> it's, uh, it's, according to me, my name is so obvious that I'm Bulgarian that uh, oh, yeah. it should leave no doubt that it's Eastern Europe, <laughs> yeah? but no, <laughs> and, um, no, it's, it's just a small game. Um, but seeing me and um, people not being able to place me or attach um, my uh, origin immediately is something that gives you space to really be who you want to be and the deeply rooted Bulgarian um, rituals that we all do or like for instance the only reason people will know I'm Bulgarian 
uh, is if they see my uh, Martenica, which is something we put as a um, symbol for health and wealth. And it's red and white. In the beginning of March, we put it. And either you know a Bulgarian that wishes you well and gives you that, or you yourself are Bulgarian. So mm. when people meet me and see it, then they immediately make the connection. But without that, kind of, it strips away and um, they can't place me. But um, my Bulgarian roots, are it's funny that we are talking about it because some of my friends mentioned that I forgot to speak my own language. So they're making lots of jokes about the fact that I chose to communicate with them in English because I'm becoming lazier and um, challenge accepted. Um, I'm trying to, <laughs> to speak my own language. It's not nice. It's very, it's very confronting. When I speak about finding home here, this doesn't mean you forget your roots, but yeah, inevitably you feel like you're detaching from what you knew before and how you even spoke. And um, right now uh, I have consciously chosen to have Bulgarian books around me and a lot of my friends are Bulgarians and um, they would tease my accent and they will make those fun jokes but deep down I always go back home for practice and we hold retreats in Bulgaria yearly and the upcoming one is even called Root to Rise and for us the idea of yeah finding your ground and finding really what is it that nourishes your soul mm. is what will make you rise and what will make you really reach the heights you would like to achieve. So going back mm -hmm. home is always a bit emotional and it's always best retreats happen there because the herbs, the smells, the mountains we have, it's just really powerful too for me as a teacher to reconnect so that mm -hmm. I can give more of that deeper knowledge that maybe comes from the ancestors, maybe comes from the fact that it's a very ancient nation we have in Bulgaria with lots of rituals that are dating before the Christianity and before anything else that was there, really. So going back mm -hmm. home is always emotional in a sense mm -hmm. that... It's just very, very enlightening to be back home, to go back to where it all started, at least for this specific life, if you believe in incarnation. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, traveling around, being proud of where you come from and um, people not knowing much about my country also helps to give them the first in impression of a whole nation really we sometimes mm -hmm. hold a lot of uh, responsibility with that because maybe bigger countries people know what to expect or already have attached some um, judgments when they meet Bulgarians often we are not such a big country we're only eight million and I feel always like 
I have the responsibility to explain a bit more. It's a nice task to have, but it also comes with oh, the disappointment of you've never heard where we are. It's uh, again that pattern of playing small. I know my friends that come from countries that used to be empires and it's a different mentality. We speak in a joking way, but mm-hmm. it's always this idea of people coming from empire and people being submitted mm-hmm. is a different mentality. And mm-hmm. um, we had our 500 years of under Ottoman Empire and that marked generations to come. And um, we do carry it with us in a way we speak. Some expressions are profoundly grounded with pain and suffering. And it's a bit of a enough with the victimhood. But then again, mm-hmm. it's something that happened. We can't erase 500 years of a history we have. And usually the Balkans, the whole Balkan area is a space where more history is created that we can actually even comprehend what's going on. But it's always powerful to go back. Mm. Wow. It's always powerful, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you asked me this question because often people say, so what can I expect when I come with you to Bulgaria? And... um I really need to tell them that the nature is amazing. People are welcoming. And um, there is this deep wisdom that comes from, I wouldn't like to call it only suffering, but when you have that history, mm-hmm. you also create tools and singing is one or dancing. We have powerful um, ways to be together. And um, there is something that it's not in all countries I visit or the countries I visited that have that are really much richer culturally than in comparison to, to the Netherlands, for instance. Yeah, I think you're bringing up something so important and beautiful about the pain and suffering that a culture or person can experience because it it brings not only resistance resilience, but all these different tools and ways of of supporting each other and oneself that that uh, also build the wholeness of of the experience. Not just a flat experience of everything is kind of fine, but <laughs> the whole spectrum of life with all of it. So it's really cool that you bring your retreats there. Yeah. And there's a an evolution for you too, and a growth and a movement. Yeah, and, and each um, time we go back, yeah. we are so different. And each time we explore different um, aspects of who we really are. This time we're going to the mountains and we're going to be hiking. There will be a beautiful meditation session at the Rila Lakes. And um, lately it's been known as... Um, really good place for energy healing and lots of foreigners are going there and um, I haven't been yet and this is the other 
like I've traveled the whole world or I've been to some places, but yet there is one thing I haven't done yet in my own country, which is coming true now this summer. But again, taking your sweet time. (laughs) Yeah, take your sweet time to explore yourself and your own roots, which is what you're... going there when you feel ready for it. Yeah. It's... um, yeah, I think it you're will be showing that in your life, in the way that you've led your life, and mm-hmm. how you're sharing that with other people now in your retreats. That's beautiful. When when is your retreat coming up? Um, the retreat is taking place 21st of June till 24th. So it's a little bit longer weekend, and um, it's going to involve a lots of fun and picking of herbs and making our own mm. sages. And I find that ritual being really important to me because Beautiful. those herbs you can find only in the mountains that we're going for the hike. Oh. And the meditation itself is going to be held high up after we've done all the practice and no retreat will be without our signature wine tasting. We always say that we created yoga food and wine with the sole purpose of making yoga and traveling and exploring accessible in a sense that we're not judgmental. If you would like to drink a glass of wine, we will allow you to do so. If -hmm. you would prefer to have a grape produce instead, that's also fine. And um, yeah, that's the next one on my um, calendar for this year and hoping for the next year to go back to Cape Town and host a retreat there that will be a little bit longer with um, seven days retreat where Mm -hmm. we're going to explore more the deeper healing work with pranayama meditation. There will be hike as well because Apparently, we like hiking. Coming from yeah. the Netherlands, where there is not even one mountain, any chance we get, <laughs> honestly, like you got to get on that mountain. Yes. <laughs> it's super funny because everyone is asking about the hiking part. <laughs> oh, interesting! And yes, that's in January next year. And, Great. Um, yeah, I'll be very pleased if any of the listeners would like to join us and um, I'll leave you a discount code uh, of 10% for any of the upcoming retreats. Oh, wonderful. That's Mm -hmm. very exciting. How can people connect with you on that if they're interested and receive that? Mm -hmm. So you can find me on Instagram, Y-O-R, yoga. So how you hear it, your yoga, same with uh, Facebook and um, yeah, my email addresses are there. So I post regularly explaining where the next retreats are. And if anyone is in Amsterdam and would care to come and join a class of mine, you can just text me or find uh, my schedule. I teach at uh, Studio 191 and at the Cosmos Studio. And um, anyone that is in Amsterdam and would like to have some yoga with me is more than welcome to join. That sounds great. Uh, next time I'm there, please I would do. love please to come to visit you. <laughs> this has been lovely, Carmena. I, I really appreciate you and 
what you're sharing and the the deep richness of what you're sharing. Um, and all of the links that you mentioned, uh, we'll put that in the show notes. So anyone who's listening, just jump onto the website and find that information. And uh, this full podcast is at candicewu.com slash Carmena. And uh, is there anything else you want to share before we close today? I really would like to just thank you and show deep gratitude for everything you guys do. I don't take it lightly that I've been given the opportunity to share what I think today, how I feel today. And um, really thank you for inviting mm -hmm. me. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor to have you and oh, just enjoyed every bit that you shared today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was so wonderful to have Carmen on the show today. At the end of the conversation, actually throughout the conversation, I felt that feel of taking my time because she was taking her time in sharing and just being at her own pace and her pace being one that feels very present in each moment of her speaking. And I really enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and can take something from this episode into your life, whether it relates to combining your passions into many parts of your life, taking the attitude that you've chosen what you're doing in your life, or going back to your own roots full circle and feeling into what's the wisdom of your ancestry, what wants to be continued through the line into your life and into others' lives. Thank you so much for joining us today and be sure to check out her experiential that comes out later this week and is also connected with her episode at CandiceWu.com slash which is spelled K-R-E-M-E-N-A. Well, when I'm in Amsterdam, I definitely want to check out her class, get a little restore and replenish as well as new awarenesses. And I encourage you to do that too if you found anything interesting or uh, inspiring for you. You can find all the information about her classes and workshops as well as her retreat at the show notes connected to this episode at CandiceWu.com slash also, if you'd like to stay in touch with me and hear uh, bi-monthly updates, as well as keep up to date on retreats, workshops, and podcast topics and guests, you can sign up for my newsletter at candicewu.com embody. Well, that's all for today, and I encourage you to feel into what is your pacing of life that really gets you in your flow and take your sweet time. See you next time on the Embody Podcast. <laughs>